Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Ten years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. I still can't get beyond that name. Why? I don't. Right out of the gate, I'm stuck on that name again. Oh my God! You got to, folks. You got to see his business card. It's like two foot long. He's a billboard. <laughs> That'll work. Listen, before we jump into the notes, I, I gotta, I gotta go in a different direction here. The whole world is still on fire over Budweiser. Still. Still. And I, I, what I don't, what I'm trying to get my head around, and this is a big deal, folks, because it's really not about Bud that I want to talk about, but I get to use them as an example. Okay, so Budweiser been around over 100 years and all of that stuff. When I think of Bud up until this summer, when I think of Budweiser, I think of the Clydesdales. I remember Miles and I going to south of St. Louis and I had to get off the highway to see the Anheuser-Busch sign. It was a big deal when I was a little bit younger than you, so a long time ago. That was a long time ago. But listen, 9-11, when we had the 9-11 disaster, they had the Clydesdales out there bowing to the flag and bowing to the lost. What's the symbolism of America, right? it's a, It really became, by the way, I'm I'm not a big beer drinker, folks. And when I do, it's a Coors and really, really getting sacrilegious here, but not Coors Light, but Coors. I just like that. That's my deal. So I'm not like I'm defending my flavor of beer kind of thing. But when I think of Bud, they became synonymous with going to a hockey game with going to a football game, with going to some sporting event, to a concert, to things that were, frankly, Americana. Mm-hmm. And so when we're watching this year with them dipping themselves in the dirt on these social issues, i got to pause for a minute. Because what happened is always obvious. Everybody's running all over social media with the latest meme that they can create. I'm going, oh my goodness, folks, that's obvious doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what happened. But we need to slow to navigation speed and ask why. If we don't ask why, we're going to be in some serious trouble. Why what? As a culture. Why would they make such a big deviation? Why would they take away and take their brand? Because they're not stupid people. We don't have to agree with them. This wasn't some new brand trying to get recognition. That's right. They weren't reaching for the, the gold and thing. And how are we gonna? How are we gonna jump out in front? They weren't. They did not have their marketing 101 hat on. And you got to pause and go. What would cause an internationally profound company? You go to Europe and you're gonna sit in Ireland. You're thinking you're gonna get a Guinness. You can order a Bud. These folks are everywhere. So why would they do that? And if we don't ask why I say again, we're in trouble, okay? And that takes me back to ESG, the United Nations ESG Initiative. Folks, it's a big deal because they're, they're touching the corporations that touch your life. They are demonstrating their power. And we're off on social media clapping like penguins with excitement because Bud has dropped from number two to number 12. Go, no! That's not an exciting thing that the United Nations can absolutely dominate one of our industries. That's not a good thing. I'm not saying don't boycott. Frankly, I don't give a hoot if you do or not. I'm just telling you, 
I don't care. That boy cut a Bud Light a long time ago because it sucks. But the listen, you can do that. That's okay. If you say I don't, but but to jump on what you folks, what you, what, and I get people angry with me on social media, but let me tell you the effect of your boycott is you are joining with the goals of the United Nations ESG initiative. People say, well, when did all this start? It started with Obama. It started with this. It started with, no, it didn't. It started in the early, early 1970s. When the ESG initiative began, by the way, and it really doubled down during the 2000s. Uh, yeah, well, okay, but it doubled down when 2004 came, and ESG started diving into uh, effectively credit systems, credit scoring systems for for companies that are that are outside of their own borders. That's where they started their focus. So they started looking at companies to say, how can we really get into these people's lunchbox? We'll go after Budweiser. We'll go after Target and a big, long list of companies that directly connect in your world. So they're off in the United Nations. By the way, you ever wonder where the funding for the United Nations come from? Aren't we brilliant people here? We actually fund an organization whose spoken goal is to get rid of our sovereignty. Think about that for a minute. We're funding them and they're spoken, their written goal that's on their website. They want global governance, and, and we're funding it. But not only funding it, we're housing it. Housing it. Housing it. It's, funding in, our, it, it's in our country. Stocking it, and by the way, steering it. So You see the vice president this week giving a... <laughs> what a buffoon she is. But that's another story. She's giving a lecture. She's addressing, speaking on behalf of uh, AI. And she's, it's two letters way in over her head but if you sit and listen to the woman she's talking about because if you took ai and just allowed it to be what it is it would be the system of meritocracy because it would measure those things that drive success but she says no 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 we're going to train it who wants camilla harris to train a scoring system by the way that's controlled by esg Connect those dots for yourself for a minute. These folks are literally wanting to develop a scoring system like they currently use on corporations like Budweiser to steer your decisions on the things you buy. Well, Mike, how are they going to do that? They're going to use Alexa, and they're going to use Siri, and they're going to use everything that you come in contact with in your life to give a scoring system to you. Right now, we think about an Empirica score. That's a credit worthiness thing. How long has your file been established? What types of records do you have on it? Not, not by the way, not just what, how many records, what types of records do you have on your credit bureau? But they're going to take it way beyond that. What do you mean you don't like uh, the, the uh, Alphabet Soup Club? What do you mean you don't like Kamala Harris? What do you mean you don't like Biden, the sleeping dummy? You own guns, think you about these things. You, you all of these vaccinated. things. All of these things are going to go into a scoring system. Yeah. Folks, folks, I got to tell you something. In your lifetime, I'm 62. I might get to see it. In fact, I, I'm a betting guy. I bet you $100, I'll get to see the scoring system. My grandchildren, which is what, what foments my anger, they're the ones that cause me to stay in this fight. They are absolutely going to be steered by it. The two fellows that are running our production today, they are going to absolutely be touched by a personal scoring system that drives the things that they can purchase. But that only happens in China, I thought. Yeah, well, China is, by the way, 
the left, the American left, think about that for a minute. The American left is no longer, if Miles were, were on the speaker right now, he'd be telling you, the American left is no longer the Kennedy uh, party. No. They're just not. They look at Chinese communism and go, wow, what a perfect hybrid that is. They've got your brand of capitalism, and they've got central government control. It's a beautiful, folks, I'm not being shrill here. They like what they're seeing. If you don't believe me, ask Governor Whitmer of the great state of Michigan why she's trying to drag a battery company into our into our state sovereign. Do, do they like it when Jack Mao, who's the founder and CEO of Alibaba, which is bigger than Amazon, got on, tweeted something controversial towards the Chinese government, and he went missing for 30 days. Right. Did everybody like that? They nobody care. knew if he was alive or folks, dead. But folks don't care about it. And part of this trauma... It's a multi-billionaire, too. I get it. But part of this goes back to the measure of where we're getting our news from. Because there's a lot of good Democrats that listen to this show, and they're thinking, Mike, what the heck are you talking about? Because they're only seeing the things that they see in their reven- their information stream. The right's only seeing the things that goes in theirs. Speaking of that, we're almost out of time, but i got to touch on one last thing since I'm on a roll. The right has been yelling about the left's cancel culture for the last decade. The right has got firm grip on cancel culture right now. They don't like what you say. Oh, my God, they're going to shut you down. Mm-hmm. Folks, we need to stand down. We have got to think our way through this. Stay with us, folks, because we've got a lot, and we will be right back. All right, Ludwig, we got to clean up that mess I created. What's your thoughts on this this ESG and the algorithms? Because algorithms is what they're using. So when folks look at what's going on in our culture in the last 15 years, I don't even care what your political position is. As long as you've got your honesty hat on, if you look back, America has dramatically changed in the last 15 years. you got to go, wow, wow, wow. How are these? By the way, even if you like the changes, you got to stop and go, how are these changes happening inside a single generation? And that's algorithm. Well, there's two ways that I look at these things. One is on a religious side, I really don't like it because there's a lot of similarities I can line up with things. I don't know what that means. Help us. You sound like it crazy when you talk about it, like the sign of the beast. It's a big thing in the Catholic religion that you have to take the sign in order to sell, buy, have any type of uh, interaction in commerce. And if you don't, then you're going to survive starve and, and die did you start that out with you sound crazy yeah okay i just wanted to because people believe that you're crazy when you say that but it's, it's part of the religion i mean it's definitely something that we believe in uh and there's we, some similarities you talking about catholicism catholicism absolutely okay but then there's also the other side of me as uh, a historian and political side is i think we're getting away from the what we think of as modern warfare in terms of deaths by body count Right. And we're now in a transition, and probably happened starting in the 70s, to an economic-style warfare where we're not going to measure by body count. We're going to actually measure by dollars and cents. Can we kill you that way? And that's how we'll kill you in a war. It's more through economics rather than physical. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with that. But one of the reasons that the Uber left hates Donald Trump is that he was, he was a big, gigantic road stop to this greater plan. And what I'm getting at when I say that is that I don't even think it's about wars Perhaps the military-industrial complex is still deeply involved, waving, waving their wallet around looking for money. 
But listen, the folks that are steering this boat are, are they're not thinking about warfare. They're thinking about global governance. But I think that this is the war to achieve that. To achieve my point. that. So, that so, you so, can't so, think of traditional warfare in this sense of death and destruction. It's a social war. It's a social economic war. And yeah. where we, where people love Trump or liked him a lot was we finally had a president who engaged in it. Right. This has been going on. And President Bush won, Bush two, Clinton, Obama all said, we're going to take on China. And then they got in office and sat on their hands. Trump actually got in and said, all right, let's go. Yeah. We're going to engage in this war that's been enacted on us for 40 years. Yeah, here's the only, my only pushback on that is that I think it's easy for us to all point at China. But let me restate what I said in the first segment. And that's that the United Nations is who's steering this, this drama. And we're funding them. Well, Not China. The United States is funding them. So when I wrote the novel America's Final Beginning... And this is 11, 12 years ago, folks, and I'm writing the book. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like what you just said. I'm thinking China. China is our big enemy. That, that's what I thought when I started out writing it. I don't think they're our biggest enemy. But hang on. No, we are our biggest enemy. Yes, that's that's exactly where I'm going it. with this. As I wrote that novel and had to do the research to do it, I'm going, wait a minute. Globally, we're the ones funding all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I made the arch, the arch enemy in the book was the Global Socialist Authority. And over the course of that novel, I went, wait a minute, we are the Global Socialist Authority. And once that, once that dawned on me, I got to tell you, folks, my politics changed dramatically. I'm a Jeffersonian, a classical liberal. When I think of sovereignty, I think of the state I belong in. That's how old-fashioned I am. Not, you know, what territory... That, what what government? What it, listen? It, it's we're way down the road from from that, and we're the ones steering the ship, and we're the ones as a people clamoring over Budweiser when they aren't the problem. They're somebody's tool. Just like if you're looking at a big, beautiful, brand new pool table, and you bring in a new cue stick, and everyone's oohing and on over the cue stick. That's all Budweiser is. They're the United Nations cue stick. Yeah, you gotta see that for what it is. Nobody's, nobody's. There's no max exodus from the United States to China. Because we're no gonna, max exodus no, to right. Cuba. Why are those people coming here in max exodus numbers if it's so bad here? Why would we want to make us what they are? We are the stopgate from that global. I, I get authority. that, but you're still you're still thinking about sovereign nation choices. These folks that are steering this boat, Kamala Harris, imagine they want a homogenized world. Not they're not asking. Is America the last final stop of freedom? They're not thinking down that path at all. They want a homogenized world. So if you're in South America, if you're in Europe, if you're in Eastern Europe, if you're in Russia, if you're in this, they don't care. They want you to be homogenized. Well, they want you to think all the same thoughts that they're going to steer with algorithms on social media, through media and general mass media. They got their hands around our around our social neck. Haven't they looked at all the... Uh, methods of trying to create utopias and find out they end up becoming dystopias. But there's no such thing as utopia. Exactly, but that's that's been proven. So right. if it's been proven, that's settled. I mean, like here it is. This didn't work. This is a perspective thing, though, Ludwig. If if you're in the top one percent of this global governance that they want, yeah, that's your, they're they're in utopia. Yeah. If you're the other ninety nine percent, not so much. But when did the ninety nine percent stand down? Like we outnumber them. Well, let's look at COVID. I, I can't believe it. I okay, told but you I if you that. if you'd ask Miles and I, because we're both sixties, and the folks listening that are our age, if you'd have told us when we were your age, forty, would a, would would Americans tolerate that? 
absolutely not to have uh, Comrade Whitmer tell people to get off the road that you cannot buy a U.S. flag because it's non-essential. Who, who would have ever predicted, forget her, they've always been a collection of nitwits, always, but the American people, 21 generation ago, we would have never believed that the United States citizenry would have tolerated that. And what's the reality of it is, is that the algorithms and what's going on in academia, and we could list about five big building blocks, have changed it to where plus or minus 50% of the United States citizenry said they felt comforted to have Comrade Whitmer tell them to stay in the house and hide. They felt comforted and protected by that. And I'm going, holy smokes, in my age I've lived through seven pandemics. So remember, That's the only time that I've ever seen anything like that. And it wasn't the worst. So when they tell you this was the worst in 100 years, they're lying to you. That's just math. It's not ideology. They're lying to you. At my age, I used to ask you two and, questions. And you're a kid. Uh, yeah. How, how, how did you get 6 million people on the train cars? Yep. And how did you get brothers to stand across from each other with barrel with rifled barrels yep. and fired each other? And I couldn't answer those questions. I didn't. It didn't, couldn't comprehend it. Six million people got willingly on a train. There's 500 with guns, six million without. That doesn't make sense. You and I are brothers. We're going to fire at each other because we have a political difference. I didn't understand it. And in the last eight years, I've understood it now. Uh, I understood COVID it. COVID and 2020. Also. I understood it within the, Republican, within the Republican Party when we saw a group of angry people effectively take over the party in a number of what I identify as purple states. And listen, most of them are good people, but they are very motivated by things that are not true. I'm just being blunt with you. They're mo motivated by things that they're sharing back and forth on, in, in the echo chamber of social media. And so it always goes to perspective. If you're my mother-in-law, who's a devout Democrat, the only thing that she sees all day long is, is leftist news. <laughs> then that's what she's going to know. And it's the same on the right, and it's the same on the folks that I'm talking about that entirely get their news by what they're sharing on social media. It steers people's perception. And the folks like Kamala Harris and the folks at the ESG in the United Nations, they go, wow, there's a tool. Look, that really, that really crafts people's thinking. Think about that term for a minute. Crafts people's thinking what's funny about you saying that is i talked to a really good friend he's a democrat he we agree a lot he's a, be a kennedy democrat well you are squishy and he would say to me some off the wall fact and i'm like what where's that coming from i've never heard that and he's like dead set it's fact i'm like where and i'll google it and it's not showing up for me and i'll duck duck go and it's not showing up. i'm like where are you finding this information because i cannot find it right are they hiding it from me through algorithms or is he just getting it somewhere else that is legitimately just yeah. fake. Or somebody shared it with him. In a, yeah, in a it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but but listen, they say the same. So when I'm talking about things that Whitmer said, that, that Kamara Harris said with my mother-in-law, she's like, that's not true. It is true. I just watched it. They don't see it. And it's the same on the right. And folks, as a nation, we got to get rid of these D's and R's and start start having an earnest and honest conversation. Folks, we've got to go to break, but stay with us because the former Speaker of the House of Michigan will be joining, joining us shortly. We will be right back.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into the rest of the show. Uh, Got to give you the update. We do it every week at the, exactly this time. Um, I get to brag a little bit. That's what I do, is I am broadcasting the show from our flag station, WHTC, and that's in beautiful Holland, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM. But here's the brag part. We were carried on a whole bunch of stations across several states, and I want to thank all of our affiliates and all of our listeners. Thank you very, very much. Now, as folks that listen to the show know, I don't do a lot of interviews, um, but of late I have been, and I'm, I'm particularly excited about welcoming Michigan's former Speaker of the House, Tom Leonard, to the Mike Hewitt Show. Welcome, Mr. Speaker, to the Mike Hewitt Show. Hey, my friend. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Having me. I'm uh, happy to be here. Listen, the, 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 Tom, the re- and I've, folks, just for background, I've known Tom for a, a number of years. I consider him a good friend. Um, that said... You've had a very successful run in politics, and so I need to I need to use you as our as our Michigan crutch for a minute, because I think we're wounded and we need to somehow get across the river. When you were in office as speaker, as I recall, at that point in time we had control of the governorship, the both chambers of our legislature, in all of the statewide elected offices, such as attorney general, secretary of state, most of the education positions. Is that is my memory correct, Tom Leonard? Uh, that is correct. And I believe we also, and you may have mentioned this, I believe we also had a majority on the Supreme Court. We did. And I did not mention it. And thank you for bringing that, bringing that up. When, so those folks that are in other states understand, again, I say this is not Michigan politics because it's the circumstance that are in most of the purple states in the United States right now. That is my understanding of it, and that's really what drives me to want to share it with all of the folks from the many states that listen to the show. And and that is we're at a crossroads. I, I passionately believe that. Currently in Michigan, we do not have the governorship. We don't have either chamber of house. We don't have the Supreme Court, to your point, Mr. Speaker. We have absolutely no influence over state policy in Michigan I'd like to say whatsoever. I don't like to say it, but I think that's the appropriate word. Is that true? Uh, that is that is correct. And, you know, the bottom line is, Mike, until this party and those that are involved with the party and those that are leaders within the party want to start focusing on winning again and quit focusing on the circular firing squad and tearing each other apart and dividing this party – we are not going to be successful. And I've been very clear, we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get focused on winning. We've got to get back to uniting this party. And right now, I mean, as we saw, you know, I, I wasn't there, obviously, but uh, read the news articles. As we saw what happened in Claire, clearly this party is far from being united, and the circular firing squad is still going on. Yeah, and, and for folks that are outside of the political envelope, the just past week, uh, the Michigan State Republican Party, uh, the chairwoman called a special meeting, hosted it in Clare, Michigan. Um, and, and truthfully, none of the people that I know that attended that meeting walked out with the ability of saying that was an important meeting because of XYZ. The overwhelming majority, when I say that, all of them walked out not having a clue what the purpose of the meeting was. But it was a closed meeting, so the media was not allowed in. And even delegates, like, for instance, to your point, 
the the current um, Clare County Republican chairperson was not allowed in. And in his pursuit to try to get access, he was kicked. Um, a scuffle took place in the hallway as they had sergeant at arms. Listen, when I when I tell those stories, Tom, it feels surreal. Those things have nothing to do with winning an election. And that what's the purpose of a political party, Tom Leonard? I mean, the purpose of the political party is to raise funds to assist our candidates and build an infrastructure in an organization to get the vote out on Election Day. And, you know, our party took our eyes off the ball uh, last cycle um, and, and those involved within the party doing that. And it is it's only escalated seemingly uh, this cycle. I mean, you know, Mike, as an example, that the, the state party should be raising any cycle between 30 and 40 million dollars. And that's on the on the low end right now. And that is to build the infrastructure that is to build the organization that is to be able to fund our candidates, to be able to fund our caucuses. And I believe just a couple months ago in our federal account uh, for the last filing, I think the state party in one month raised $2,000 into the federal fund, into an account that they should be raising anywhere from $500,000 to a $1 million every month. This party has to get focused on the basics. And I know there are so many of the, the, the grassroots out there that want to you know, decry the funders and talk about the funding and talk about the money. But the bottom line is this. You have to have money to win elections. You have to have money to get your message out. And if we are not raising the appropriate funds to organize uh, the party and organize for our candidates and be able to fund them, we are not going to be successful this next cycle. So the last reports I saw, folks, just to, to buttress what Speaker Leonard is saying, the last reports I saw from the Michigan State Republican Party, they did not have enough cash on hand to adequately defend an uncontested state Senate race, much less a statewide ballot drive of candidates. I, I look at the numbers, and, uh, and, and, and what, what's important for me to add right now, Tom Leonard, is that of the grassroots, there are a lot of really, really good people. Even the new crowd, Absolutely. even the new crowd that I've affectionately referred to as the angry mob, of them, the majority are super good people, but they're being used as tools by a handful of people with personal agendas. And I, I got to tell you, when I when I see polling that says grassroots are are more focused on beating Republican grassroots Republicans are more focused on beating out Republicans than they are Democrats. You got to know how excited the Democratic Party is. And on that note, we're down to just a couple minutes. But I want to ask you, I'm watching the Democratic Party leadership in Michigan, and I'm torn between two, two conclusions. One is they're, they're, they're in overdrive and they're overstepping themselves for fear that they'll be back off out of power for another 40 years. So they're trying to cram everything in. And then the other side of me says that they're so excited, they know they can't be beat, so they're just doing whatever they want to do. Which of those two things do you think is the truth? Uh, you know, I don't know what their motives are, but the bottom line is we as Republicans have to stay focused on winning elections. I mean, I had a very good conversation with one of the, the newly elected representatives here in Lansing that was very upset with what was going on. And I said to this representative, I said, listen, I said, I have, and I know many of us have, very, very, very strong disagreements with a lot of the things that are going uh, on in Lansing right now with Democratic control. But the bottom line is, 
this is what they campaigned on. This is what they got elected to do. And we did not win in the last cycle. And we've got to get focused. Instead of having this circular firing squad where we're primarying each other, costing the caucuses hundreds of thousands of dollars, we need to stay focused on winning majorities. That's what Republicans need to do. Right. But but some of that goes to math. And so the math would be, and you tell me, having chaired this, the, 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 uh, being the Speaker of the House, serving as that chair, when I look at the districts in total, there's 110 House seats. Of them, a large portion are either going to be a Republican district or others will be, yes, they're going to be a Democrat district no matter what. There's roughly 10 of them that flow back and forth in the wind. And for the Republicans to gain leadership, they need to win a majority of those purple districts. And to do that, they're going to have to accept people that are more centrist into the caucus. We're down to just a few seconds, but is that a true estimate of mine? That is correct. They need to pick up two seats, and uh, those two seats that they need to pick up, two or three seats, are going to come down to a few hundred votes. That's why it's so important to stay focused on winning, again, versus tearing each other apart. Republicans need to be out there organizing, uniting, raising the funds necessary to take back majority right. uh, if they want to be able to govern going forward. And i got to tell you, Tom Leonard, what scares me the most is the idea of a single-party system scares the bejeebers out of me. That's what we've effectively created is a single-party system with a Democrat party. So I say that not as a partisan, but as a citizen saying, slow down. Listen, Tom Leonard, we've got to go, but I, I very much appreciate you joining us, and i got to get you back very soon. Okay, thank you, my friend. Yep. I look forward to it. We'll yep. talk to you then. Thank you very much, folks. We'll be right back. Mike Hewitt here. How's the Fringe Left's reset working out for you so far? They've certainly changed our culture over the last 15 years. Recent data shows nearly 30% of the adult population in America live alone. That's more than three times higher than my parents' generation. Mass murders, depression, anxiety, drug addiction, violent crime, suicide, all up. Heck, 54% of the adults in America are reading at sixth grade or lower levels. Deep blue inner city America is destitute, and the dominant political party there refuse them educational choices for their children. The world isn't spinning so fast that we can't take control of it. Tune the negative people out. Tune the sizzle-selling entertainment news, the clickbait nonsense, and the social media echo chamber. Tune it all out. Hold your family close. Build respect for yourself by doing the things you know are the right things to do. Is it truly that simple? Yes! Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. So listen, Miles and Ludwig, I, I need both of you to help me on that one. When I look at it, in fact, I kind of started the show on this topic because I was talking about what's the cultural changes in the last 15 years. I personally believe that they are largely being driven by algorithms on social media and these companies are being steered by ESG. The companies are having a significant impact. Marketing has an impact on culture. We saw that throughout my life, things like the hula hoop. I mean, all kinds of innocent examples I can cast forward from my memory time of being 62 years old. And now I watch what's taking place, again, with algorithms, with marketing, that's changing our culture. And by the way, some of the changes aren't necessarily bad. The question is, is who's in control of the changes? So I argue and I yell and I hop up and down about the United Nations or Kamala Harris's latest boneheaded comment 
Um, to your point, Miles Bauer, during the break when you were talking about Michigan's new hate speech law, and you go yep. and you go, wait a minute, what's steering this? And folks, in the end, in the end, I passionately believe that we are still the people that steer this. We still have got to look the person in the mirror in the eyeball and say, are you doing right? Is this the right thing for you to do for yourself and your family? If the answer is no, don't do it. It's just not that big of a rhythm to figure that out. It just isn't. So Ludwig, you've been quiet today. Let me drag you back in for a minute. Is is Am I naive when I say that, that it's our choice, not theirs? I think the perception of choice is ours. Uh, but most people won't always. Marketing's set to drive you. It's all about psychology. Okay. So you have perception of choice, but how often do you make the right choice because you've been in the 50 times you've heard that name, you pick that brand. Or you don't pick that brand because you heard all the bad things about that brand. So... So people in the aisle, perception is one. People is in the aisle, strong. the supermarket when they're in the beer aisle. I've watched people, by the way. I've stood there at the end of the aisle and watched people. They'll reach for the Budweiser and then they look both ways to make sure nobody's watching them. Yeah, recently I've seen that. Yeah, they're embarrassed to grab it. I'm going, wait a minute, wait. Now, and by the folks, I'm not campaigning for Bud. I told you up front, I don't drink that beer. I'm not against it. I just, I'm a Coors guy. The very little bit of beer I drink is a Coors. Setting that aside. If I want to buy it, I really don't give a hoot what you think about me buying it. I'm just telling you. Because in the end, I got to do what my old man used to say. He said, you know, you could sit down and have a cup of coffee. You better have a long talk with yourself. He said, let, let your conscience be your guide. And he'd say, look the guy in the mirror. What's he say? Are you right or wrong? Miles Bauer, am I being naive? No, you know what? You are the marketing guy here. Would you do what Budweiser did? I, I Listen, I tell you why. And we talked about that er, in, early in the show because they're being steered by ESG. And we're, yeah. funding, we're funding ESG through the United Nations. We're the lion's share funder of the United Nations. And their, their spoken goal is to erase our sovereignty. And we've got a vice president that's nodding, nodding up and down like a Cheshire cat with excitement, cheering them on. I'm going, well, you buffoon? What are you the vice president of? Yep. I just, I, listen, I get, I, I'm not against Bud. I think, I think that these things are, to me, it's what I said early on, Miles Bauer, is that when we do the boycott against a company that the UN has targeted, I'm not calling anybody to stop their boycott. I don't give, give a hoot. But I can tell you the effect of it is, is that you're siding with the United Nations against the sovereignty of the United States. That's right. just that simple. But speaking of sovereignty, Miles, I'm reading an article about uh, Illinois. Illinois will no longer allow landlords to consider immigration status in Illinois. Also enacted legislation extending standard driver's licenses to undocumented immigrants. And so what did I do, because I'm a thickhead, I immediately ran over to see what it takes to become a voter in the great state of Illinois. And folks, just so you know, Miles Bauer is a long, long co-host of this show, but he comes in from Chicago, Illinois. And yeah. so I knew this was right in your, in your home field. So if I can go there as an illegal alien and, and I can get a driver's license now, and then I go and look at the voter registration form 
and it says, are you a citizen? And you check the little box that says, yeah. And then you show your driver's license to prove it, which does not identify you as anything other than a license holder. Uh, Miles, they're, they're just, they just, poof, created several hundred thousand voters in your state. No, no, dude, they, uh, last time I re-registered, they didn't even ask me. Not very many people, a, not very a, many people uh, get to call me dude. <laughs> they didn't ask you is what, is what you just said, Miles? Yeah, no, I mean, they, they did not even ask me. They don't and want I the just, answer. I just looked at them, you know, uh cross-eyed so so you take china ludwig you and i talked early on in the show about china um banter back and forth a little bit on it but folks pause for a minute and i gotta do the i gotta do the better now better now thing because if you had seven million u.s citizens move to china would they let us involved in what little voting or steering of their country the <laughs> How much influence would they allow us to have in their country? Or how about Mexico, if we don't like that comparison? If for some reason every liberal in the United States got up and moved to Mexico, and by the way, you're welcome to, would they allow you to vote? No. You know the answer. You wouldn't even get in illegally. And the United States wouldn't either. It's the Democratic Party that wants votes. That's what they're banking on. I think that's going to blow up in their face inside a generation because most of those folks, yeah. most of those folks, Miles Bauer, you and I have talked about it before. Lud, you and I have talked about it before. They're they're Catholic, and they're pro-life. Yeah. And and you go, wait a minute, are you folks sure you know what you're asking for? Oh, and they work hard. They want to keep more of what they earn. Well, because yeah. they're, they're meritocracy people. They came here for that. They came here exactly for <laughs> they didn't that. They let the government steal them from them no more. So you're going to get a vote because they're going, thanks for letting me cross the border illegally and giving me a driver's license. And then they're going to start raising their children and go, oh, we're not raising our children like you idiots. That's what they're going to say. I spent a year out in Nevada, and I get in trouble every time I tell this story. I'm gonna tell, I'll, get, I'll get more hate mail. But I spent a year out there, and there were three major groups of people there were a third of them from California, roughly a third of them from New Jersey, New York, and a third of them were illegals. And I'm telling you that the illegals were the nicest of the three groups. They were the hardest working. They were the most polite. They weren't rude. They didn't knock you down on the aisle because they thought they could save a nanosecond in line. <laughs> I mean, we got to, as a culture, we got to slow to navigation speed, folks. Yeah. We got to, both sides of the aisle, we got to slow down. Am I wet, Miles Bauer? No, no, you are dead on. Why don't we take and hire 80,000 immigration agents instead of IRS agents and make the immigration process easier, cheaper, and more effective? I, I think we actually need less. We don't need more. We need less. Have you ever, do some, between now and next episode, Lud, and I mean this earnestly, get on the internet and look at the immigration process. So pick a country. I don't even care what he's going through. It's taking him 12 years. I, I know, but I want you to walk through it. You go pick a country, Uruguay, I don't care where, pick a country and ask yourself, self, if I'm a citizen in Uruguay and I want to bring my, my six children to the United States, what do I got to do if I want to do it legally? Okay, somebody on my memories page was talking about uh, an illegal alien in 1920-something. I said they didn't call him that then. They had a process that made sense. Before we end, I guess when I say take the 80,000 people, 
It's not to come convolute it. It's to speed up the process. You know, it doesn't. You get, get rid of the process. The process well, yeah. is broken. But the reason it, the reason the reason it takes twelve years is because they got eighty five thousand people shifting your paperwork from desk to desk. That's a grossly broken system. And when I say if you put all of the government people in one state, local, state, federal, if you put them all in one state, they'd be the sixth largest and have the largest per capita income. Folks, something's wrong. Ah, enough of that. Listen, I got to tell you, thank you very, very much for tuning in. Please find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and at whtc.com. That's where our podcasts are, plus other places. Thank you very, very much. Be safe, and we will see you next week. 